Hi, I'm Dustin. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that this show may be about kids' books, but it's for an adult audience. Sometimes we use profanity or make some risque comments during our discussion. I try to give appropriate ratings in the show notes, so be sure to check those out before you allow your child to listen along because, again, this isn't really made for them. Also, some areas prohibit explicit language, so be sure to listen at your own discretion. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show! Dustin can read. Hi, kids. Welcome to Dustin can read. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not really a psycho clown, or am I? <laughs> Keep listening to find out. Welcome to the show, where today I am talking about Adam Caesar's, I guess it's Caesar or Caesar, I don't know, first adult, young adult novel, uh, it's a slasher called Clown in a Cornfield, and I'm joined by the awesome movie reviewer and author of the new book, The Shadow Glass, Joshua Winning. Hello, How hello. are you today, Josh? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm a big fan of your show, so I'm very excited to be appearing on it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I get to, yeah, like you said before, we get to talk a little bit more in real time and a little more one-on-one, finally. Yeah. And uh, get to know each other a little better. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a little, let's, at let's least. dig deep. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll go deep into that psyche. Um, <laughs> mainly, well, if, for those of you who don't know, Josh and I met via um, my friend Shelly, who you may have heard of on other episodes. She has the Point Horror Book Club. Well, we met while I was participating in the Point Horror Book Club Movie Club Instagram live chats, and that's where we started talking. I think it might have been, was it Fear Street, or was it before that? Uh, I have a really notoriously terrible memory, so I'm going to trust you and say it was Fear Street. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I think it might have been. It might have been yeah. Fear Street. That's, that was a really fun whatever. period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun discussions, that's for sure. I won't get into <laughs> yeah. the Fear Street, my beef with it, but um, yeah. <laughs> because I have some issues with those movies, but you know, yeah. that's neither here or there. So, um, Josh not only gets into advanced screenings of all the films that we all want to see, you lucky jerk face, but <laughs> he is also part of a movie loving podcast called Torn Stubs. Um, how long have you been making that show, Josh? We've been doing that for, we're coming up for four and a half years. We started Halloween, uh, whenever that was, 2017, 2016. And we kicked off with a a special episode where we watched all 13, 12, 13, Friday the 13th movies. And we just discussed them all in one episode. And it's become like an annual tradition where every Halloween we watch a full franchise and then sort of tear it apart basically in a very loving loving horror fan kind of way well that's good that's great did you um well i mean do you guys primarily focus on horror and do other things because it looks like you do from the episodes that i saw like listed 
Yeah, we we started out just sort of randomly selecting films that we wanted to talk about. So our first season was essentially us just figuring out what we could watch on streaming and then just discussing those films. And then in our second year, we started to focus more on doing seasons. And um, initially, those seasons revolved around a director. So our first director season was Sofia Coppola. So we watched all of her films and we sort of analysed and discussed each film, one film per episode. Uh, And then we followed that with, I think we did Xavier Dolan after that um and tarantino and then last year was our 21st century horror season where we spent the entire season talking about um you know horror movies from the 21st century and and just sort of seeing what that meant as a term you know what is a 21st century horror movie and it's actually turned out to be quite a really analytical about it (laughs) (laughs) um it's good fun it's really good fun i've known rob for a long time my co-host rob it was his idea to do the podcast and as a writer, I um, have never felt particularly comfortable speaking. So at first, when he said, let's do a podcast, I was like, hell no, I don't think so. I need to be able to sit down and actually like collate my thoughts on the page um, rather than just off the cuff sort of vocabulary. And actually, I've had such fun doing it. And I'm so glad that we've done it. It gets a little easier because I know what you're talking about. I like to write out a little script of things I want to say, but at the same time, you got to be able to improvise and to say some things just on the fly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it gets a little easier, and it, it's actually more fun after that. Yeah, and the, the thing I've, I'm just fully aware that when I do torn stubs, I'm like the straight man, not in the sense of like sexuality, but in like I'm kind of like the <laughs> fall guy in some ways. Like Rob is the one who has very. Um, very hilarious things to say and i just kind of have to react and then slightly reel him back in to reality which is (laughs) kind of what i guess that's kind of the setup of most podcasts is you have one blabbermouth and one person who's maybe gonna call them on it slightly (laughs) yeah yeah that usually is you have the one that's the more maybe the one who knows the more trivia and the one who's just kind of the novice or you'll have the one like you said the one who just talks nonstop and the other one's like, okay, can we just <laughs> chill out for a second? <laughs> yeah. That's Rob. God love him. Well, <laughs> on my show, I'm both those characters. So Yeah, I was gonna say, how does that work? <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> well what um for torn stubs, like what would be a favorite episode that you would probably tell people to start off with? Uh if you're a horror fan, I would say start with our a nightmare on Elm Street special um that was just a really fun episode to record and um, i actually hadn't realized that robert was an enormous elm street fan he loves freddy krueger i hadn't really clicked that i've known him for 20 years and i had no idea so it was really fun to go into (laughs) it where he's a huge fan i adore lots of those films but i probably adore three of them and then sort of either like or hate the rest um so that's that's a really good fun place to start. I think we did um Wonder Woman, the original Wonder Woman was quite a fun one and Monster the original well Wonder Woman or like from the 70s or do you mean like the, the Gal Gadot one? The yeah, the 2017 Gal Gadot film. Okay. Yeah. Um because sadly like we can't do a Patty Jenkins season yet because Patty Jenkins has only made th- directed 3 films now I think. Was it four? Yeah. I think she's done three, like Monster, 
Wonder Woman and then Wonder Woman 1984. So we're waiting for her to make more so we can do a season on Patty Jenkins. It's just going to be the next Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, Patty, give us more than just Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah, she's kind of limiting herself, I guess, in that regard. Yeah. But, you know, what can you do? It's the money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, that's good. That's good to know. Uh, you know, I, I hope that uh, that Torn Stubbs keeps going and that, you know, people really Ooh. flock to it. It seems like you have a pretty decent audience for it and they react pretty well. Um, yeah, hopefully. I don't know, do you feel good about it, I guess? <laughs> I haven't. I'm not privy to any information in, ter- in like, I don't know anything about our listeners. I don't know what numbers we get. I don't know. Okay, any so you just stuff. show up and I just show up and we have fun. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, before we get into the murderous mayhem known as Clown in a Cornfield, let's talk about your new fantasy novel, The Shadow Glass. Um, Great. I'm really excited about this. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I saw that you posted a short time ago that this is one of the many books that you've written. Do you have more out there that I'm unaware of or are they just <laughs> not published? <laughs> um i mean this is my adult debut it's it's not a ya where Mm -hmm. i have written ya books previously as well okay um and i did not know so i i started out writing a a trilogy called the sentinel trilogy which was a ya set in cambridge area in the uk um and it was sort of um buffy-esque uh you know a teenager fighting demons and monsters and stuff um and then i followed that up with a book called vicious rumor which is spelt r-u-m-e-r because rumor is the protagonist in the book and that was another ya novel um and she is a sort of amateur detective because she's somebody who basically nobody ever notices her so she's just really good at sort of blending into the the background and she's good at observing people um And I also co-wrote a YA horror called Camp Carnage, uh, which I self-published with my friend Elliot Arthur Cross. Um, And that's a like a postmodern spin on the slasher movie, like the camp, the summer camp slasher movie setup, basically. Well, it's set in the 80s. It's about a bunch of kids who are sent off to summer camp, but actually it's a gay conversion camp. And uh, they're all there to sort of have the gay beaten out of them. Um, And there's a killer stalking them at the same time so yeah i've done a fair few nice that's lovely (laughs) (laughs) well that's great like how when did you start getting i mean obviously you just said that one was self-published but what was the the other ones how long ago were those published they were the first one was 2013 i believe i originally self-published the first Sentinel book in 2012. Okay. And then off the back of that, it got picked up by a publisher who then committed to the, the, the entire trilogy. And they were fantastic, tiny indie press publisher, but they were brilliant. Um, so yeah, it's, I've been going for a fair, fair while. I feel like I've been around the block a bit and I've, I've kind of seen a good 10 years at least. From, yeah, absolutely. I know it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, like I did not know any is... of this, and I'm going to have to look for these. Oh, well, there, I actually, I've actually just recently reverted rights to all of my YA books back to me. Um, so they are kind of basically unavailable if you can, unless you can find them in like a thrift store until I figure oh. out what I'm going to do with them next. So don't, don't worry too much. <laughs> the special collection is going to come out eventually, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, the box. <laughs> Once set. the Shadow Glass takes off. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, can you give us a, a quick synopsis of the Shadow Glass for those who – it's coming out in March. Uh, yeah, it's a simultaneous uh, North America and UK Commonwealth release by Titan Books, who I adore and just think are fantastic. They're like – one of the one of the best genre publishers out there at the moment. I think they've got some really great stuff. They they publish Paul Tremblay, they publish Grady Hendrix, um, V. Schwab, Sarah Maria Griffin. I think they've got some great authors, and I'm kind of yeah. I've seen some of their stuff before, and I'm, I'm pretty them. aware of them. They seem pretty good um, mm. as far as a great publisher, especially for adult and fantasy and horror and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it's, it does seem like from what I know of the Shadow Glass, it seems like the perfect fit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, I was kind of inspired by the big hardback ultimate visual guide books that they have done for films like Labyrinth in the Dark Crystal and Back to the Future. Um, they've, you know, these gorgeous books that really delve into the making of those movies. Um, and so, yeah, to have them publishing Shadow Glass just feels perfect because the Shadow Glass uh, is a nostalgic 1980s. Um, love letter to sort of labyrinth and never-ending story and dark crystal it's about this 30-something guy called jack who his father um is like a failed filmmaker whose 1986 puppet fantasy film the shadow glass flopped on release and it essentially mm. destroyed their relationship because bob the father sort of became a recluse and felt that nobody understood him and he basically pushed Jack away and their their relationship sort of fell into ruin. And the story starts with Jack returning to the his family home, his father's house. Bob has passed away and um, Jack ends up going on a real world quest with the puppets from his father's fantasy movie. Wow. So that is the setup. Now, that sounds pretty awesome. I'd like that. Um... <laughs> like what really chose like why did you choose this focus for your for the novel why puppet fantasies yeah um i've just always loved them you know they're they're th they've films like labyrinth and dark crystal um and neverending story have, have just sort of i've just ha always had them i can't remember a time before they were in my life and i've watched them hundreds of times like, there's something about them that i just absolutely adore um and so i kind of i've felt this longing for more of that you know i've 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 don't understand why these why well, I, I kind of can't understand why these films stop being made because they're expensive um they're unusual they don't have a clear market that have a clear audience they're kind of for everyone and no one and i but i'd still mm -hmm. i feel like i'm grieving for the loss of that kind of movie and so the shadow glass is born purely out of my own frustration and need for that kind of story, you know, puppets and, and magic and um, deep theme, you know, philosophical themes, emotion. Um, I wanted all of that. And that's why I, I wrote the book because I, I need more of that in my life basically. And I wanted people to have that if oh. they wanted it. Oh, you're like, uh, oh my <laughs> I gosh. sound so noble, like don't I? I sound so hideously. Yeah, noble. you do. You sound like, oh my gosh, you sound like Sarah from Labyrinth. Should you need us? <laughs> yeah, Should piece you of need cake. Us? Like, oh, 
Yeah. You totally just, you, you kind of, in a way, it sounds like you really wanted to, I'm not saying you did this, but it kind of sounds like <laughs> I wanted to, you wanted to write yourself into one of these fantasy type stories in a way and let yourself <laughs> journey through all these, this crisis and stuff with adorable sidekicks. Absolutely. And- <laughs> Who doesn't want a puppet to come along and sort of help you figure out what's going on in your life? It'd be horrifying. Oh, I agree. I want a talking yeah, dog yeah. myself. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I know that you own a cat. I own a cat as well, and that's the closest I can come basically to having a. F- I, yeah, so adorable. I can see her on your on your video. But yeah, that's the closest hanging you can out get, there. to having a puppet coming along and yeah, being your companion. That's true. In life. They have their own little personalities. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> What kind of soundtrack would you think someone should listen to if they're going to read The Shadow Glass? I'm really glad you asked that because I already have, I created a playlist on Spotify. Um, Other services are available. But so during, whenever I'm writing, I, um, I always create a playlist to listen to while I'm writing. I want to be able to like very quickly tap into the the vibe of what I'm trying to accomplish. And so with The Shadow Glass, I created a playlist that, was populated by um, artists like M83. Um, there's a great, um, well, not a band, like a, I don't, I don't know what you'd call them, but they're, they're called Two Steps from Hell. They do lots of video game music. Um, so many that I've completely forgotten what they're called. But if you want to search The Shadow Glass on Spotify, you will find a playlist on there that you can listen to. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Like, I know there's going to be a lot of labyrinth in there and whatnot, but yeah, David Bowie and all that, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I actually <laughs> you couldn't leave. Yeah, that. I tried not to use too much labyrinth and dark crystal music because I kind of wanted to feel like I was creating my own sort of ambient atmosphere that wasn't just about those films. So there's yeah, random artists that I had never heard of before, but just sort of popped up on my recommendations and capture like this i think i've got some music from like a german kids tv show that i've never seen and will never watch but for some reason that sounds horrifying (laughs) (laughs) but it's perfect in terms of the tone and the sound of it so that's why it went oh i'm sure it is but i mean i've seen some before in like (laughs) children's tv programming and it is a scary af it is oh Oh my god yeah no censorship in germany So as some of you may know, uh, if you've been following me on social media, I've been partnering with Josh for the past month or so for the 80s Fantasy Film Club uh, via the, quote, Shadow Glass Guild, which Josh has created with some fans and some friends on Twitter, especially. And we've been watching a different fantasy movie from the 80s every Friday night. So I won't spoil anything, but there there's masses out there that we can watch. There's so many great. 80s fantasy films and i think because i'm kind of not being super strict on pure fantasy you know we did flight of the navigator which kind of has is maybe a bit more of a sci-fi kind of feel to it um so yeah there's plenty of scope for for movies and thank you so much for you've basically armed the u.s branch of the 80s fantasy film club so thank you so much i'm trying i'm trying to get it out there um i want (laughs) to want people to read your book why not you know simultaneous release you know that doesn't yeah. happen that often, you know, for a lot of books, especially, you know, for UK and US releases around the same time. So it's, yeah, you got to get people out there. I want, I want to get your audience secured. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. You're very welcome.
now let's get into the killer thriller Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. Is it Caesar or Caesar? I thought it's, it was Caesar, but I've watched a couple of YouTube videos earlier and they were saying Caesar. So I feel hmm. like it's up for grabs. Yeah, we'll just say Caesar because it's easier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Clown in a Cornfield <laughs> by Adam Caesar. And it was released in August of 2020. And I'm probably one of the last people in the YA reading community to have read this. Yeah. I mean, I just read it this past week um, and it's 2022. So it's a little, I'm a little late, but I'm glad I did because, um, it, you know, it was, I think it was, I think I needed to wait. It was my time to read it. <laughs> you, you had to be ready. I don't know. You had to be ready. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I just wasn't. It. Sometimes I have to have a goal for myself. And I'm like, I'm going to read this book for the podcast. And it's easier yeah. for me to get it read. So, yeah. you know, sometimes you just need that goal. Um, you can read for pleasure as well. <laughs> I know, but sometimes it's hard for me to, I don't know, my my mind wanders like way too much. And it takes me forever to get through a book if I'm not, if I don't have a goal sometimes. Mm. I don't know. It's just how it is. Yeah. My mind wanders a lot. I, I'm not as focused as I was when I was a kid. So it was kind of like one of those things where if I know that somebody's expecting me to have it read by a certain time, it's so much easier for me to, all right, doesn't do it and focus, you know, and it's, yeah. I don't know what it is. Same thing for writing. It's so much easier for me to write something if I know I have to have it written by a certain time. And, oh, yeah, but if I'm doing it, exactly. It, it, it doesn't have to, it could be anything from a term paper to a short story. It doesn't matter. It just, I can, it just spills out of me if I know yeah. there's crunch time and I have to get it done. But if I'm doing it for pleasure, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> I want to get it done, but then I'm thinking too much about it, I guess. And I think that's what happens. Like I can just, if I have a goal, I don't think too much. I just do it, you know? And so yeah. thinking too much kind of is my, I guess my downfall in that regard. Oh man, I'm, that I'm totally sense. there with you. Yeah, absolutely. Overthinking PM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, so here's a breakdown of the beginning of Clown of the Cornfield, which is just going to be the first third of the story, just the setup, really. And so feel free to listen as I'm not going to spoil or reveal the ending, though there is a sequel coming out. So that might be a moot point <laughs> yeah. of what will happen in the end, I guess, in a way. In the prologue, a bunch of kids who are main, the main character officially meets later. They're all gathered at the local reservoir to hang out and swim. And soon it becomes obvious that the word has spread and more kids have shown up, mostly underclassmen. While doing an Instagram live feed, the popular girl Janet catches rich boy Cole's little sister Victoria on the film in the background trying to do a stunt off the side of the reservoir into the water below. Unfortunately, something goes awry and she hits her head on the way down ultimately killing her. She's like 13 and this little girl's died and you know, hit her head and drowned in the water. And that's when we cut to a year later when Quinn Maybrook, our, I guess, final girl of the story moves from Philadelphia to Kettle Springs, Missouri. She calls it a quote, glorified cul-de-sac. Her words. <laughs> the town is pretty basic and a little run down. There's not much to do there at all. A, there's a second-run movie theater where they only get films in color, quote, sometimes. Um, her father, Glenn Maybrook, is an ER doctor, and after her mother passed away from an apparent overdose of some sort, Dr. Maybrook accepted an offer for his own practice and a house that comes along with it to this town, which is in the middle of nowhere, Kettle Springs. Apparently, 
the previous doctor seems to have up and left town without warning, which is not a good sign in my opinion, but you know, settling in, Quinn notices her back window overlooks a cornfield with an old factory in the distance falling apart and seemingly burned. And she's like, what's going on with this? But with her phone's camera, she zooms in on it and she sees this clown face painted on the side of the building. No, thank you. She tells her friends back home and they jokingly tell her, girl, you need to get you some curtains. (laughs) That clown face, which I totally agree. She misses them, her friends back home, but decides, you know, I'm going to make a go in Kettle Springs. This is a fresh start. Dad wants me to do this. You know, we got to do this. So on her first day of school, she meets her neighbor, Rust, who seems like a sweet kid. He offers to introduce her to the town, basically. And when she gets to school, there's this weird punk girl named Ginger, who we met in the beginning as well. And she introduces herself by helping her open her locker door on the first day. However, it's in her first class, Mr. Vern's biology, that she meets the popular clique of Cole, Janet, Tucker, and Ronnie. She meets Matt later on. When the popular kids get Mr. Vern flustered, Quinn mistakenly giggles at his expense and the teacher lumps her into the punishment of school of in-school detention. Which I was like, that's pretty damn harsh. Like, she just kind of giggled. And, you know, she, she's new. Like, don't. I mean, <laughs> come on. You know this. The t- teacher has her out for He's an ass. Anyway. Yeah. So, sitting in the empty room, unsupervised, the cool kids tell Quinn about themselves. And no one really asks her about herself at all, which I thought was weird. They have a YouTube prank channel, original, very original, and it turns out Cole, the hot guy that's extra nice to her, is the one that burned the old corn syrup factory in the cornfield behind her house because his family owns it and it's actually been shut down for a year anyway, so no harm, no foul, right? Maybe? That's what he thinks anyway. Quinn also learns that the factory mascot painted on the side of the building is Friendo the Clown. Again, no thank you very much. (laughs) No friendo of mine. (laughs) No, no, no. The area feels like the quote, the town that time forgot. Almost like Quinn and her dad kind of stuck in a state that they don't want to be in. If that makes any sense. That's what I kind of saw. Like it was kind of a metaphor or something. I don't know. That's what I was feeling anyway. But um, with the Founders Day event coming up on Friday... The kids want to, you know, show the old school Kettle Springs how Gen Z has fun with a major party to throw down the following Saturday. Of course, now Quinn is invited to join along. And at least her dad seems chill and understanding, you know, about the first day of school with the whole mishap with Mr. Vern. He's like, don't let it happen again. But he, he gets it. You know, things happen. So while um, Quinn and her dad are sitting in the local diner having dinner one night, that same night, they meet the sheriff at the diner in what feels like a Twilight Zone meets Erie, Indiana scenario. Like something about this diner, something's up. Like the sheriff stands defense at the door when Janet and her friends cross the street and come up, and he's like, No, don't come in here. And then all these old people in the diner keep making these like scowling faces and at Quinn, and she's like, What's their problem? Sheriff Dunn almost insists that the doctor, uh, Mr. Maybrook, or Dr. Maybrook, comes to town 
and go to this town meeting that they're having for quote make kettle springs great again very trump like <laughs> blah no thank yeah, you awful no 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 again Big there's a lot of no thank you moments in this yes totally it's a bit old town versus new generation as sheriff dunn basically takes over the meeting in spite of the weak-willed mayor harlan jaffers the parade and founders day will continue as planned hopefully enticing outsiders and Cole Hill's rich father to invest in their community. And here's hoping, right? Because he hasn't spent any money on Kettle Springs in a long time, and basically that factory is what built the town. So at the Founders Day Festival, Frendo influences are everywhere. Again, I said the Hills who own the corn syrup factory where Frendo's the mascot basically build, built this town. So Frendo is a big mascot for the town, not just the corn syrup. From Tucker dressed as the clown to amuse the kitties, like making, you know, animal balloons and whatnot, to others wearing masks and pork pie hats and t-shirts, Queen can't escape it. Can't escape Frendo metaphorically at this point at first. She learns that Cole's grandfather made up Frendo for the factory logo, but that everyone thinks he's a real person that during the depression helped build the town with some uplifting spirits or something convoluted like that, which it isn't that at all. <laughs> Yeah. It's all a made-up story. He was not around during the Great Depression. All seems to be going smoothly until Tucker and Matt pull a dangerous prank with fireworks that sends the parade into a spiral, endangering lives. The sheriff instantly thinks Cole had something to do with it, though this time he really didn't. Quinn's new friends don't seem to be the best crowd to hang around, that's for sure. That night, while trying to hold an emergency town meeting that's gotten out of hand, Mayor Jaffers is successfully bullied out by Sheriff Dunn, who is hell-bent on nabbing the kids for their shenanigans. Embarrassed, the mayor shuffles out of the meeting into the empty parking lot. It's then that someone dressed as Friendo the Clown shows up, and things sure get bloody from there. And that is only the beginning. <laughs> So that's where I'm going to end that. I don't want to get too ah, much away. Cool. Okay. You know, we'll talk about some things and we'll beat around the bush on some other subjects. Yep. But what was your first reaction, your initial reaction to the book and the eventual carnage that followed? I absolutely loved this book. I thought it was so, so clever. It really, um, it's, it's written by somebody who clearly loves horror, knows horror inside out. Um, it sort of toys around with your expectations. It's clearly got that horror setup, which is like new girl moves to town. Mm -hmm. She's sort of like got her own tragic backstory. She's basically the Sydney Prescott of this story. Um, although Sydney didn't move to town, but she had a tragic backstory. Um, and we'll, t we'll call her scream to Sydney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just thought it was, it was, it's a slow build. It kind of sets the pieces. Um, and it's the, it's the kind of, the, it's the kind of book where you meet, you reach the midpoint where essentially chaos erupts brilliantly. Um, and I thought, where, where are they going to go from here? Like the, the midpoint feels like the big finale and in like a stroke of genius, it kind of is in some ways the big finale because then the rest of the book is set over the next couple of hours during the fallout and continued mayhem of this like this initial um 
massacre basically um yeah i thought yeah. it was fantastic i i really really enjoyed it i think i read it in about two days which is fast for me um how, how did you feel about it oh i loved it i thought I, here, here's the thing like i i had I, I have a big problem with people hyping something up too much for me and so when i keep seeing the that was i think that was another reason why i initially didn't read this is because everybody's like it's great it's great it's great it's great and i'm like uh I feel like if <laughs> I read it and then it turns out to low, be like against my expectations, because I know everybody loved the new Scream 2022. It was fine. I thought it was okay. <laughs> I don't, I didn't, you know what I mean? It got hyped up so much that I saw it and I was like, meh, um, it didn't do much for me. So I was afraid that was going to happen the same thing. So that's why I'm like, quit hyping things so much. People just say it's good and move on. Don't. Because otherwise, you can ruin it for somebody who's expecting a lot more. Yeah. However, in this case, I was I was not prepared for what was going to happen. It did start off a little slow at first, um, but then when the killing started to happen, it seemed like it was almost like any other slasher. And I was like, okay, whatever, you know, slasher this, slasher. I saw some stuff coming, mm -hmm. and then the party started, and that's when it started to feel real. Like the whole active shooter references and stuff like that, especially, it mm. felt a little less fantasy-like and a little bit more like, oh, this could happen. Like this kind of thing might happen at some point or could based on just the setup of everything, that the events and the reasoning behind the killer and everything like that. It, it got a lot scarier in my mind. So I did appreciate that, especially. And it felt a little, I had a little PTSD feeling from it at the same time while reading it. I don't know if you understand that, if that makes any sense, but. Yeah, totally. Like that's one of the big things that I reacted to as well was how that, that phrase active shooter, like we don't really have that over here in the UK. Like we, it, you know, that. Well, you guys have gun good. laws that make sense. So. Yeah, well, I didn't really want to get into that. But yes, we, uh, <laughs> we're obviously <laughs> the, the world is very aware of this specifically, seemingly specifically American tragedy of the fact that kids have to be drilled to know how to escape an active shooter in their school. It's absolutely horrifying. And um, the way that Adam Caesar pulls, pulls it into this storyline is chilling and really effective but in a way that isn't sensationalist. It feels sort of like normal. You know, this is how, this is the reality of being a teenager in 2020 small town America. Really effective. Yeah. It feels like, yeah, it, like I said, it could happen, but at the same time, it feels a little fantastic. Like it's a little too over the mm. top at the same time. So it kind of has like this, I know, medium between the two that it kind of borders that line like, oh, wow. Well, maybe no. Yeah. Oh, you know, you kind of had this mixed reaction to it. And I really liked it. And it was really exciting to read. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, have you ever seen there's this I know there's a video of this and I know there's, there's probably more, but I saw a video recently like the scariest things caught on doorbell cameras. Have you seen that? I've seen on TikTok sort of doorbell camera things happening that are funny, but I haven't seen the scary ones. <laughs> yes, these are scary. Like there was one that reminded me of a certain scene in this book that I won't get into the scene, but I mean, it's pretty obvious what I'm talking about. And in the middle of the night, this it just randomly this on the street, this person has a doorbell camera and this random person in a clown outfit walks right up to the doorbell camera and just stares at it for the longest time before leaving, like in the middle of the night. 
and oh just it's God. creepy and like waves at it and like it's oh i'll have to send it to you because it's it it freaks me out watching it. i'm like oh, oh ooh, i did ooh. actually get yeah. a cold it really reminds me of a certain that. scene yeah horrible <laughs> um and not sure if this happened in the UK, but do you remember a, a weird craze a few years back with people dressed as clowns, freaking people out in random neighborhoods all over the place? Yes, because when I was working freelancing for a magazine, there was an opinion column on um, on killer clowns. And I remember I had to come up with a headline for it. And I really wish I could remember what I'd come up with, but it was something <laughs> like our killer clowns really just for fun or like something something better than that basically <laughs> but um yes i do remember that absolutely yeah i remember one and there was there was showing up all over the place and this was around the time that it was out as well i think that people were like oh they're trying to you know do what it did you know just creep people out people are hanging red balloons in random places especially storm drains and whatnot <laughs> um they did it was uh, there was one in my neighborhood somebody did it here it was really creepy um but I recall one that was a clown in like at a playground that was like on the edge of these woods. And he was calling out to the kids like, come on, come into the woods with me. Oh, like no. trying, I was like, this is creep. And all the kids were like, nope. And they ran. But I mean, it's like, good for them. They, they, they yeah. They've already like practiced the word movie scenario. Stranger, and we have, stranger. <laughs> stranger danger. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and no one ever caught some of these people. Like they just, they never caught them. They never found them. Some of them oh. got caught, but like, but they never really did anything. They just said, just be there creepy and creeping people yeah. out, but it was causing a panic and it was happening all over the U S and I didn't know if it was happening anywhere else at the time, but it was very, See, you know, talk, when, we, when it was happening, it was freaky. But then if you put that into, you know, post pandemic, you kind of go, do you know what? That was just probably a bit of fun. <laughs> you know, We've seen some really hard stuff in the past two years. <laughs> Well, I, this was pre-pandemic, so yeah. Now it's like yeah. whatever. <laughs> We've yeah, seen this. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we're a little jaded. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a little. I was an innocent but, um, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, how the time has changed yeah. so fast. Oh. Okay, Josh. So, according to a May 2020 article, before this book was even released, um, there was a possible movie in the works for Clown in a Cornfield. Did you know about that? I only know from you. I think I Googled it and I couldn't really find much. Okay. Well, the one I found was from Bloody Disgusting, that mm. online magazine. And the article quote says that Caesar said in a statement to Bloody Disgusting, this is my first young adult novel and I wanted to do not so much a throwback slasher as an attempt at a modern slasher with modern themes. And Temple Hill Entertainment that did Twilight, the Maze Runner books, The Hate You Give, um, they hold the option to adapt the book and hmm. a film adaptation is already being developed. That was back in 2020. So I don't know if it's still going on or not. You know, it takes forever for films to get made, but um, I wanted to ask you, we, I wanted to talk about a possible film adaptation and how do you think that will play out? Like, do you think they will be faithful to the book or do you think there's some things that will have to be changed from book to screen? What do you think? I think, it feels pretty filmic in itself anyway as a as a novel I, you know it, it felt it had that feeling of like a a horror movie basically where it has the the in the inciting incident of you know of of um the 
fair what was it called like the parade thing happening um the festival yeah the festival yeah so and you know it has that cold open where the girl dies and you know that that's going to be somehow related to the rest of the story um and then it has you know the the second act and third act which is just an absolute scream essentially it's an absolute bloodbath in a really great way so i i don't know i feel like it would translate pretty faithfully to the screen i can't really see much that would need changing especially because it's not all told through a singular perspective you do actually have quite a few perspective shifts between different characters and so that that gives like an, another added level of filmicness to the book i guess it's not all just through yeah Quinn's i agree with that yeah i totally see that um I think that the one thing that they might change just simply because of the attention span of moviegoers and whatnot, because it does kind of have a slow build at the beginning. I think that they'll kind of up the friendo stalking or killing a little bit earlier. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you'll see him stalking people or something or watching, or they'll do something like that. Somebody's, you know, I think they'll, they'll ramp that up to kind of build up that slasher narrative a little bit. Maybe somebody will be killed in the beginning and not just the, the, you know, sister, the 12 year old, 13 year old sister a year before that might be something else. And then, you know, that doesn't get discovered till later kind of thing. So that way the audience knows, but the town doesn't know type of thing. So I think maybe that might happen just because of yeah. like the way slashers move and whatnot. And they wouldn't want to lose any, you know, every generation of people, um, we get a little bit more, I guess, impatient, uh, as far as like oh, things need to happen faster. This needs to happen faster now, now, now. And I think they're going to kind of play into that a little bit. And that's probably why, but other than that, I think you're correct. I think everything moves, the pacing, everything is great. They probably just, mm. you know, bring in Frendo a little bit earlier than just, yeah, you I know. I could totally see them doing sort of like what Halloween did, where you just had snatches of Michael Myers sort of following people and standing back, you know, far back in the frame, just watching people. I could definitely see them doing that with Frendo the Clown, definitely. Considering he's the town mascot, people, you know, even if somebody sees him watching from afar, somebody can just wait, oh, that's just Frendo. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. brushes it off, you know? Yeah. So I do wonder especially if building change... up the whole Founders Day thing. I wonder if they'll change the opening to... I wonder if they'll combine the burning down of the factory barn syrup, you know, thingy. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the sister dying. I wonder if they'll actually just put those two things together in, in order to sort of save time a bit. Yeah, I could see that. The sister dies in the fire type of thing yeah. instead. And then that would be cold yeah, feels even more responsible. Yeah, that does seem like a lot to do as far as a reservoir. And I mean, it's a great for the book, for sure. But, you know, you, to shorten it for visually and to get people invested early on without giving too much background. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. That was one that thing that really confused me at the start of the book, because I think maybe a reservoir in the U.S. is different to a reservoir in the U.K. Because in the yeah, U.K. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Um, I guess, I mean, I don't really know. I was, I had to look up reservoir cause I don't think of it that way. I think of, I don't know. I, I guess in, in this, I'm thinking it's like a dam kind of yeah. type of thing. You, that's what I've thought, you know, and there's like a, a good sized ledge and they said 30 feet drop. I was like, that's a, that <laughs> seems like a quarry. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah. It felt more like a quarry that had been filled up. 
I guess maybe it's interchangeable to him. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Over here, a reservoir is just like a big body of water that is basically going to supply the the housing and stuff. And but you can't go into it. It's. I suppose they did break in. The kids broke in, didn't they? So. Yeah, and Matt's the security guard, so he just left in really. But yeah, yeah, which I thought was another problem, but. Um, really. So they added, if they added an element or elaborated on something more, what would you want to see more of? Oh God, what would I want to see more of? Um, well, I can tell you what I would want to see more of. Yeah, you tell me. Think. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> okay. Um, I'd kind of like to see, I'd like to see the town a little bit more and get a real feel of what it is, not just a caricature for sure. I, I I think it needs to feel a little run down and a little more out of date and a little dystopian feeling, I guess. Um, I want the kids to kind of be current and maybe, maybe more colorful and almost a little like sepia versus like, you know, like wizard of Oz in a way <laughs> versus sepia tone versus bright and colorful. Like when you see the kids, everything's new and fresh and clean and you see the town is kind of, blah, you know, I mean, that's a little, it's a little comical sounding the way I'm putting it, but it, 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 it didn't have to be that way. Um, and, you know, like Kettle Springs needs to look like it's out of date and miserably falling apart, but, you know, because they're keeping all these old bills, businesses alive and not even updating them. Like the cinema just shows old black and white movies. They don't even have new movies in this town. Like everybody is stuck in the past. So, and all the kids are like, no, no, it's the wave of the future, you know? And um, I kind of feel like maybe we should focus a little more on that. Maybe, but that's that's what I could think of. Yeah, I guess the only thing I really want more of is um, is it Janet? I think Janet was basically my favorite character. Janet, yeah, Murray. she was just so brilliant. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, she was pretty great. Um, She's a you know, valley girl she, who found she, herself in the wrong valley, apparently, which is just so funny. <laughs> I did like that. I did like that description. I was like, okay, I see it. I totally see yeah, this. Totally. <laughs> okay. Well, considering that let's fantasy cast the characters in the book with some Great. teen stars of today. If you can think of some. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been, I've been uh, rooting through Google and trying to remember what things I've watched that had great sort of young actors in. Okay. So you, you know, wanna... someone at least that we're, you know, if you can't think of somebody, maybe we can think of somebody familiar who might be able they might be able to cast against in a way, you know? Um, yeah. So audience be aware that as of this recording, there is no official film or casting announcements that have been made. Just so you know, if you're listening to this and a movie's coming out, we were just talking, giving hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even if it's been released already, this is not actually what happened. This is just something we're yeah. thinking of. So let's go the through the, the list make, of characters. <laughs> right, right. So, okay, in the list of characters, we have, let's start off with Cole Hill. Now, Cole is popular and hot. He's got a nice body. He's nice, it seems. He's a little self-absorbed, but he seems like a nice person for the most part. And um, who did you think of for Cole? Okay, he apparently has a button nose, a puckish grin, perfectly tousled dark hair, Um and he's he's broad-shouldered but not tall. He's compact and perfectly proportioned. <laughs> so um, he's. I think he actually is described as looking a little bit like Jared Leto in one of the chapters, um, which I thought was kind of a dated reference. 
Yeah, I guess it. I guess that Adam Caesar just loves urban legend. Maybe I don't know that um, or my so-called life or something. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. It was. Yeah, it was dated, but I guess there is kind of a '90s-ish vibe going on with the book. So maybe that's why that was the reference. Um, mm-hmm. So my my kind of casting idea would be Tanner Buchanan, who plays Robbie in Cobra Kai, because he's. Okay pretty he's got the brooding thing down pat he's not like a big guy he's sort of he is compact but in proportion i i, I believe um so i could see i could see him doing it he's he's sort of like yeah he's he's got that pretty thing hasn't he okay yeah i recognize this guy this guy was also in he's all that wasn't he oh yeah he was in he's all that yeah which i haven't seen yet I haven't either, but I did look. I was like, well, let me see who's in that movie. And I was like, oh, okay. I could kind of yeah. see that for sure. Um, and he was born in 98. So he's not, he's like 24, 25. He's he going to be 25. So yeah, he could. I had a couple of, I had a few people actually. And at first hmm. I thought, oh, what about Eli Brown who plays Obi on Go- the new Gossip Girl? Oh, yes. I, I kind of see guy. that a little bit. He's great. I love him. He's really cute. Yeah. And, um, or, uh, somebody else would be Gavin Leatherwood from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and Sex Lies of College Girls. He played Nick Scratch mm. on Sabrina, which I kind of see. Okay. But he kind of has that devilish look to him, so you don't know if you could trust him. You know what I mean? He has that look to him. Yeah, but he's also really cute and he has a good smile. Um, yeah, but I kind of, I kind of decided on Froy Gutierrez. Oh. If you just give him a little bit darker hair, and Froy was the boyfriend on Cruel Summer. He was also in Teen Wolf, and he's also <clears throat> roommates with Richard Madden. Um, <laughs> <laughs> roommates. We're just okay. going to say leave yeah. it there. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I hear you. Anyway, he's, he's kind of a pretty boy. He kind of has this like young look to him, and he's got little freckles on his nose and stuff. But he's, he's good looking. He's model material. So I could totally see him playing that part as well. So you don't know okay. if you could trust him type of thing. Yeah, he definitely has to have that slight edge where he's cute and seemingly nice because he's nice to Quinn, but he's definitely got some issues. But the whole time I was thinking he's up to something or he's going to do something bad at some point. I kept thinking, that, you know what I mean? So you're like, is he? Is he not? Is he going to? Does he? You know, that's the yeah. that's the that's the clue. So it's like, hmm, mm, he definitely needs to have that air of mystique. Yeah. That exactly. was the one great line so, in the new scream was when Dewey says, How long have you known this guy, the boyfriend? You know, that was mm-hmm. very funny. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, um <laughs> yeah. yeah. Only six months. That was a little bit of a uh, pay attention. <laughs> so we have okay, we have Janet Murray, who you've already even said the quote from Valley Girl in the Wrong Valley. She mm-hmm. is a self-proclaimed bitch. She's Asian. And in the book, she's the only person of color, it seems, in this town. But yeah. uh, I kind of I kind of go against that with some of my casting choices. But uh, we'll just, you know, for her, she's she's pronounced Asian. So I'm going to say she's Asian for sure. So, Janet, who did you think for Janet? Um, I I was having a look around and I think maybe someone like Lana Condor, who's the Vietnamese American actor from all the two other boys I loved before. She played Lara Jean Covey. Um, yeah, 
I could see her doing that. She's kind of the right age. Um, she's obviously got the look. She looks sort of like, you know, uh, Janet is described as having smooth skin and glistening lips. And she's sort of, she's a natural beauty. Um, so I could definitely see Lana sort of fulfilling that. Yeah, I can see her as this like preppy girl. Yeah. And yeah, she's kind of, like she said, she's a self-proclaiming Brit bitch and her mom's a lawyer. And you can yeah. just kind of see that influence on her. But um, she's smart as well. Like she has I a room binder for her studies that's really organized. She's got her shit together. She's really proficient. Yeah, she really does. Everything. Everything is just all together. She plans all the events. She's like, she's kind of like the leader in a way, I guess, second in the command to Cole in a way, in my opinion. But yeah. But unofficial second in command, basically the command of the, the female version. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I have um, Olivia Liang who you might not know. I watched the show Legacies, which is a spinoff of the Vampire Diaries. And she played a witch named Alyssa Chang. And she was a bitch, (laughs) such a bitch on this show. She actually went on to, she left that show and went on to the new Kung Fu series. I don't know if you've gotten that over there in the UK, but it's over here on the CW. Um, And she does that deadpan, looks like, you don't know if she's being friendly or if she's not. Is there something, you know, like another thing, like you, I think a lot of these characters, you have to feel like they could go either way. They could be either good or bad, you know, so you don't know. Um, So I think she could really put, pull that off very, very well. So if you can look into Olivia Liang, um, it's L I A N G. It's her last name. Try, try looking her up and see if you can see any scenes with her. Cause she's pretty bad, especially from legacies because she's pretty, she's a troublemaker. Oh, she um, was the in, next one. I, well, go ahead. She was in something called Crawlers as well. I don't know what that is. I don't know. It's kind of fun. <laughs> I just know her from those two things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you said, you're a fan of guessing. Some of these, I'm like, I have no idea who would play yeah. this character, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, all right. I don't know why my little alarm went off just a second ago for some weird reason, but anyway. Um, we Wake got up. Ginger next. Ginger was apparently, which was really funny in her description in the beginning. Um, her real name is actually Annabeth. But then when she accidentally mm-hmm. dyed her hair, quote, clown hair, clown red hair, which I thought, yeah. oh, that's not good. I thought maybe she started getting people to call her Ginger and she just kept it that way. And then, but when she shows up on Quinn's first day, her hair has kind of gone a little darker. It's not like it was. Um and she's, you know, she's kind of friendly towards, you know, towards Quinn. Um, she also kind of dresses kind of punk like or hot topic like with like a nose ring and all this, you know, like she's changed like a magazine t shirt, Thrasher magazine on her t shirt. Yeah. And she's a little over the top. Cargo shorts. I had the feeling of it could be. Now, there's this girl and she is biracial. At least I assume she is. Um, her name is Sophia Wiley and she plays Gina on High School Musical, the musical, the series. She's like okay. the dancer of the group and everything, but she kind of starts off playing this kind of bitchy character. And yeah. I kind of saw her as being ginger a little bit. Like she could kind of show up and just kind of be like, is she friendly or not again? Um, you know, she's obviously kind of a deadpan. I kind of see ginger when she meets Quinn, like she's being friendly, but she has this like deadpan look like whatever. I don't care you know, kind of thing, but you're being friendly. Yeah. So um, I kind of feel I like, like she could play that part. But who do you think? Yeah, totally. Mine is is completely typecasting, um, but I just loved 
an actor called Ryan Simpkins because she played Alice in Fear Street 1978. Uh, okay. And she played like the kind of the druggy, um, yeah. druggy girlfriend, but she's kind of badass at the same time. She's kind of edgy, but funny and like likable, but she doesn't really care if you like her kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I can um, see that too. So yeah, I would love to see her do that. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, um, I'm, I have one person mapped out for Matt Trent, who is the security guard at the beginning, and he's also one of the one of the lackeys for Cole. He's a football player, and he turns out to be this other girl, Ronnie's um, boyfriend. Mm. And I thought maybe that could be played by Dylan Sprayberry. Um, I don't know if you know who he is, but he played oh, young Clark Kent in Man of Steel. And he was also in Teen Wolf as well. And oh, he's just kind okay. of he's kind of pretty, but he also has this kind of like he could play a dumb role at the same time <laughs> and menacing. So I could see that. That's what I thought. Yeah. What do you think? He about does. That? He looks like kind of a, a jock, but kind of like a bit of a dweeb as well, which is kind of what matters, isn't he? He's like a bit, mm-hmm. bit of a dumb dweeby jock. <laughs> and see, I tried to cast Tucker who's basically the, his counterpart almost except Tucker's yeah. a bit meatier and taller. And, and I just couldn't think of anybody for him, but I got I Matt. Either. I was like, Matt's great. Cause Tucker's hard to do. So he's going to have to be an unknown. <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's pretty much what I subscribed to as well. I was like, okay, this guy just needs to be a total unknown because we don't really have any people that would fit that casting right now. <laughs> He's described yeah, as a meathead Neanderthal. I, I feel like it would be just a little be bit. Really mean. I think Tucker needs to be straight up unlikable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, with but, uh, uh, with Matt, I was thinking an actor called Jackson White, who I've only seen in Mrs. Fletcher. He plays Catherine Hahn's son, um, and he is. I mean, the character in the book is described as built like a fire hydrant. He's squat and solid. Um, he holds his arms out to his side like he recently worked out, and he's still enjoying the burn. Uh, and I, yeah, I just think that Jackson White kind of does that a little bit in Mrs. Fletcher. Like, there's nuance to him. He's actually a bit damaged um, and desperate yeah. for for approval. But I think that he would probably nail this role because he's stacked. He's a jock. He just kind of looks yeah, mischievous. See he that. has a real mischievous look about him. You know what? He could actually play Tucker as well, though. Looking at him, he's not <laughs> yeah. as meaty, but I'm sure he could. He's already kind of, he's already pretty, you know, um, muscular here. He could probably beef up a little bit more, and he could probably. I could see him playing that Tucker role. Yeah, as well. that's a good point. I was thinking of Tucker as more sort of like, not muscular, more of just like an, uh, like a more like fat i guess like a like a really big fat guy <laughs> well, a lot of football players do that they, oh they're full of muscle i'm like they have a huge amount of fat on top of that though yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's absolutely. like it's kind of gross a lot of times it's like oh. <laughs> so you may be a joke american but... <laughs> football anyway yeah they don't run nearly as much as the the yeah other football the what we call soccer so they would not yeah, nearly yeah. be yeah, they'd be a lot thinner. Um, <laughs> so, okay, next up we have Ronnie Queen, who is basically Janet's second in command, I guess you would say. They're kind of rivals, but f- I guess frenemies, you would say. Um, she's a wannabe bitch. She's a, quote, dumb blonde type. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Long only... Ringlets. I had two people for this. Yeah. yeah. 
for this, I have maybe Sadie Sink with blonde hair. Yes. I could totally, totally see her just kind of being, she's pretty, but she's just got an attitude, you know? Um, yeah, because she has and she so know, much attitude, Sadie Sink, in, on the screen, obviously. Oh, she does. She does have that, like, amazing sort of just whatever, I don't give her attitude. But, you know, the character of Ronnie's kind of a caricature at the same time. Like, you just kind of see her being funny until maybe she's not supposed to be funny. And mm. I also kind of saw maybe Josie Tota from Saved by the Bell. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I don't know if you've watched the new Saved by the Bell. No, you I know have. What I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm going to Google her. Okay. Quickly. So Josie Tota is a trans actress and okay. just has these really good, like, sarcastic, dry delivery a lot of times and is blonde haired now. And um, plays a cheerleader on Save of the Bell and all this stuff. And is great. Hilarious. But I could see giving us like some attitude, giving us, you know, some you know, some kind of sinister overtones a little bit at times. Mm. And just, you know, a, I, I can kind of see that. So either one I think would work. But I really want to go for Sadie Sink because I think that Sadie Sink could really convey that character pretty well. Yeah, definitely. I think that you're your um, suggestions are better than mine i have <laughs> livia scott welch who played sam in the fear street movies she kind of plays a bit of a she is she's a cheerleader in in those films but she's not your typical cheerleader you know she's got a lot more depth going on but i think it would be quite fun to see her camp it up as just a full-on bitch <laughs> Not just be all hurt me all the time like she was in those movies. Yeah. Yeah. She kind yeah, of was exactly. kind of a victim in those movies. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, my other choice is Emily Allen Lind, who plays Audrey in The New Gossip Girl. Because she just kind of is that oh. character anyway. Yeah. And she was in that um, Netflix movie sequel to The Babysitter Killer Queen. Oh, she was also in that. I haven't seen that one. I haven't either, actually. I just know that she's in it because I keep seeing her face yeah. when I pull up Netflix. So, <laughs> hey, is this is Gossip Girl. Because Gossip Netflix Girl's is a completely different job. streaming service for us. So, yeah. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, I could totally see that. I could see that for sure. Yeah, I didn't think in, about her. Why didn't I think about her? I guess oh, I've, I've been like binging season one of Gossip Girl. So, she's very much in my mind at the moment. Um, I love the Gossip, new Gossip Girl, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because in the new Gossip Girl, she's like. She is an absolute cow, basically, um, just to bring a bit of British terminology to the podcast. But she uh, she's also actually quite fragile and, and vulnerable. So it'd be, it would be cool to see her, what she would do with Ronnie. Yeah, she does start off very vapid in the very in the first earlier parts of the new Gossip Girl. And then yeah. you kind of get a little more sympathy for her when you see why she's that way. And then she actually oh, starts yeah. acting a little nicer towards some of the characters. You're like, okay, you kind of start to want to root for her. And you well, didn't she basically in the beginning. Loses, and a lot of them you didn't, actually. She basically loses everything because her best friend decides that she's not going to be a, like a uh, the version of her influencer self that she was before. Her boyfriend right. makes out with a guy, and then her mother ends up hospitalized. So she she's actually quite an interesting character because she loses everything in the course of about five episodes. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're like, oh, I, I like her now. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Okay, yeah. I can understand why she is how she is this whole time. Totally. And now she's, she's been afraid of losing everything, and then she does. And then it's like, yeah. well, how did she come back from that? Character so building. yeah, that would, she would make a good Ronnie, I think, because she's, she's, she teeter-totters on that that bitch good girl type of you know 
and has the good quick. She's quippy. She's really quick with comebacks and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, but I think she can play dumb too at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. We're going to go into final girl, Quinn Maybrook, who's the awesome. main character moves into the new, to the town. And in my mind, I can't remember if they said she was blonde or brunette. I'd never really picture it. Sometimes I just, I cast based on that personality type or something like that. Hold on. The cat's about to start scratching at the door. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want out? Wow. You want out? Sorry about that. She does that from time to time. Um. um anyway, so I yeah, I don't know. Any door in our house. Sorry. Yeah. Well, she's like, "All right, I'm done. I'm getting out." She's gonna start clawing at the carpet, and I'm like, "I'm not doing this." <laughs> um, destroying the floor. It's ugh. yeah. So yeah, like I was saying, so I didn't know if Quinn was supposed to be blonde or brunette or whatnot, because when I, when I'm visualizing somebody's face, I usually pick from like a, 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 a smorgasbord of faces that I've seen on TV and movies to kind of pop into my head to play the part of the person anyway. So, which is why I do this whole, you know, let's, how would you cast this situation? And the first one that came into my mind, there's actually two that came into my mind. One of them, I think, um, looks I went to Kiernan Shipka who plays Sabrina from chilling adventures of Sabrina kind of yeah. picked her a little bit, but really who I wanted to go with because she's a little bit younger and she's still up and coming, even though she's been in a shit ton of stuff, like a lot is McKenna grace and oh, McKenna yes. grace was the, um, Harold Ramis's granddaughter in ghostbusters afterlife. She was also been in stuff like captain Marvel. She's also um, been in just beyond on uh, Disney plus she is awesome. She's been in a lot of stuff. She plays a lot of younger versions of adult characters and, and things. And she kind of almost feels like the next Millie Bobby Brown, in my opinion, because she's so yeah. versatile. Um, and I think that she would play this part really well, McKenna grace. So I don't know yeah. what you thought of Quinn, but. Yeah, that's cool. I, I really like McKenna Grace. Actually, she was weirdly in the back of my mind, but I figured she was too young. But I mean, the movie might not get made. For I think a she's years, like 16 so. or 17 now by now. So. Oh, okay. Okay, she could work. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned Millie Bobby Brown, because that was my first go-to. It was just like, obviously, get Millie Bobby Brown to do it, because I think that she would do a brilliant job. Um but then I know that you haven't seen Yellow Jackets yet. I know that everyone is telling you to watch it. <laughs> I know you haven't quite got to it yet. But um, I haven't gotten to it because it's on a, a, a service that I don't have. Uh, and I don't fair. really like all the other stuff that's on that service. And I'm like, why would I get a subscription to something where I only might like something that everybody, you know what I mean? It Absolutely. needs to have a little bit more to offer for me. So, Yeah, I totally get that. Just wait for the DVD. It's, but it'll be worth the wait. Um <laughs> But there are there are a couple of actors in Yellow Jacket, so I think would be really great for Quinn. And one of them is an actor called Sophie Thatcher. Um, she was also in the Book of Boba Fett. Apparently, I haven't seen that show, so I don't know. Um, but she basically plays like the younger Juliette Lewis in Yellow Jackets, and she okay. has this ability to do like real darkness and fragility. Um, but she's also got kind of the girl next door thing going on as well you know she's very likable but she's not saccharine yeah when i'm looking at her face right now I just pulled her up on imdb um 
she yeah she kind of has this kind of dark look in her eyes but at the same time she looks like a sweet and innocent person <laughs> so you don't yeah really, exactly yeah yeah i feel like if i feel like quinn is actually she's she's your typical horror heroine but she is resilient and she gets stuff done and she's practical and she's almost mm-hmm. like become the mother to her own father because her dad is sort of broken over his wife's death and is just a bit gormless and flaps around he's got stringy forearms apparently so he's obviously <laughs> struggling a bit with life um so yeah i just think that she would bring that inner steel to quinn and she kind of has more of a an indie sensibility i think than than um some other actors maybe who are more polished yeah i i, I can see that and speaking of dr glenn maybrook since mm. you brought him up um I don't. I know. I didn't picture him as they physically described him. I went based off his personality and his sense of humor and whatnot, and I totally went straight to Paul Rudd. Ah, interesting. Okay, like a hot dad, just being a typical dad, <laughs> dorky, you know. But you know, in but the straight laced Paul Rudd, not as goofy, you know, and other yeah. like other stuff he's had. But but like you know, one of these people, just likable. He just seems like a likable person, you know, and totally. he wants to do right by people and avoiding the fact that his wife died and whatnot and mm-hmm. i was purely picturing bill pullman as the dad in casper that's all i could ha- get that's all i had in my brain okay i couldn't picture anything yeah else i could see that, that too <laughs> i could see that too yeah he's basically the same character yeah yeah exactly yeah, completely that character um, instead of a psychologist he's a surgeon or whatnot or just a yeah. you know regular yeah. practice doctor okay if I yeah i can pushed, totally see that if I was pushed, I was thinking maybe Ashley Zuckerman, who is another Fear Street alum. He was also in Succession. He played Sheriff Good in Fear Street. Um, yeah, and looks, he was also, he played, um, he was in Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol, which was a, a short-lived series over here after the Fear Street um, movies mm. came out. Yeah, he would be, He's not. he's not really played anyone who's that sort of, nerdy and he's got like floppy feet and knobbly elbows i just be i would like to see him try for that because he often plays um characters who are sort of morally questionable and dark i guess and sort of intelligent so it'd be fun to see him camp it up a little bit as dr glenn maybrook oh definitely definitely i could see that for sure yeah and a little bit younger too as well he probably be more the age to have a teenager whereas right no offense to paul rudd we all know he looks like he's 20 something still oh, but he's in gosh. his 50s now so yeah <laughs> i mean even though men can have like young children for way up until their 90s really but you know it's just you know as far as like how it's about, supposed to balance out you know yeah um So, okay, on to the next one. We have Rustin, quote, Rust Vance, who is Quinn's next door neighbor. Oh, I love Who did you see as this just ho-hum type guy? This is really random, and I'm not really sure how I landed on this, but I just thought it would be really cool if they cast Chandler Riggs. He played Carl on The Walking Dead, and unbelievably, he's now 22 years old, so he's actually too old to play this part in the real world but you know in movies he could probably play younger um yeah but he's kind of described in the book as like 
dirty blonde hair, short, wearing jeans, plaid down button shirt, which is basically what he wore in Walking Dead for like five, six seasons. Um, <laughs> he's already he's already got the wardrobe. So. Yeah, absolutely. Just like raid the wardrobe from Walking Dead. So I think okay, that would be like quite a cool little role for him. And also, he, as far as I can tell, he hasn't really done that much. Maybe he's studying. I don't know. But it would be quite cool to see him doing something like this, having been the kid on The Walking Dead. That would be good. It'd be familiar territory, but with a different angle going about yeah, it with at the twist. same time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I thought of um, two people. So the first one I thought of was just kind of a up and coming actor slash pop star who's also in High School Musical, the musical of the series. And that's hmm. Joshua Bassett. He kind of plays the Zac Efron type role in that show. Um, oh, yeah. And he's just kind of like everyday guy. The one who used to date um, Olivia. Um, Oh my gosh, what's her name? Driver's license singer. Oh man, I don't. Oh, Olivia Rodrigo. Yes, Olivia Rodrigo. She's on High School Musical, the series as well. And uh. supposedly they used to date, and supposedly Driver's license was supposedly written about him or towards him, but there's no, been no confirmation. But he's kind of a nice guy. He is um, self described as queer, um, even though he, you know, he pretty much I think mainly focuses on women, but he says he's interested in guys as well. Um, People say that and like, then prove it. Um, (laughs) But I'm bitter. I'm sorry. Um, But him who, cause he's, he's going to be in better Nate than ever. Um, It's coming up on Disney plus as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he seems like a good fit for this role as well. Or there's another actor. Yeah, he is. He's a cute guy. Um, Yeah. I could see it also being this guy named Kale Cully and that's oh, wow, Kale's that's name. Yeah. K A L E. Um, he's on, uh, the new show, the new version of Walker with, you know, from Walker, Texas Ranger. It's, it's just called Walker and he plays mm. Walker's son, Augie. And mm-hmm. he looks a lot like, um, like Walker. Oh my God. I'm forgetting everybody's names right now. I don't know why, <laughs> but, um, Jared Padalecki, he looks a lot like Jared Padalecki. Oh yeah, he he's, does. I guess that's why they cast him. Um, and yeah. I think he would make a really good cause he's also on the Texas farm, you know, and the ranch and whatnot. So he's kind of used to that kind of same, you know, hope cause rust is like a, he's a hunter. He's, you know, they're farm people. He's used yeah. to being there, you know, doing, making do with his hands. He's always, they always reference his calloused hands and whatnot. So I kind of mm-hmm. see that part for him as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would go along with that. Totally. Okay, good. Glad yeah. we're on the same page. <laughs> now I'm going to end this one with Sheriff Dunn because he oh, is a main man. antagonist in this town. Um, Sheriff Dunn is this big, massive guy with huge hands. He says he's got a gray mustache, but you can put a gray mustache on anybody. Yeah. And there were two people that I thought of for this role. The first one being an obvious one, which they've been casting a lot. It would be John Cena. He's a big muscular guy. Oh, okay. He's tall, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you can kind of get that. You can get that kind of comical yet sinister thing from him. Yeah. Or if you want to go a little bit older, you go with Ron Perlman. Oh my God. Yes. That is perfect. Can you see Ron Perlman playing that part? Definitely. Yeah. I could see that. Cause he's like growly dangerous, but then you kind of feel like, am I prejudging you based on how you look and behave? Are you actually a sweet guy at heart? So that that would be a really fun. Because he shifts sort of a lot in the story. Yeah. Like he's kind of nice, but then he just turns on you. And it's like, whoa. Yeah, definitely. 
Okay, I can't. I I kind of have somebody who maybe would pip him, but maybe they're on the same level. Um, I was thinking Michael Rooker, who okay. uh, is in everything basically. <laughs> you know, he yeah, was now, recently yeah so Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy, but he was blue in that, so you don't really recognize him. Um, but um, are you thinking got... of him for Mallrats? Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that's the first thing I remember him in. Uh, I, f- I wish I could remember the first thing I saw him in and just thought he was amazing. It was pre-Walking Dead. Um, God, I've got such a bad memory. I can't remember. But he's so good. And he's he's similarly, he's growly and got such charisma and actually kind of terrifying. And you do feel like he could hurt you. <laughs> so that's perfect for Sheriff Dunn. He's got that that voice that sounds like yeah. this. And you're like, is he whispering? Is he like, what's going on? But did he scream a oh, lot? And that's why he's lost his voice. Like, what's going on with him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And my oh, other. Good. Those are good. I like it. I've got one more potential for him. And that is Thomas Hayden okay. Church. Um, who. Oh. oh, God. He was like Sandman in Spider-Man. And, yeah. You know, he's he's big. He's a big guy. He's coming up for 60, maybe. Um, I, that can't be true. He's got to be in his 50s. But he, um, I just feel like <laughs> he's got the, the size and the, that he's got that voice as well. Um, really I do imposing. like Thomas Hayden Church's voice. Yeah. And he's kind of got that, where's he from? He's got that sort of drawl. Oh, he's Californian, so maybe not. But yeah, I could totally see him as maybe like a more youthful version of Sheriff, what's his face, Sheriff Dunn. Yeah, I could see that as well. I could see mm. that, you know, and um, he does play both good and bad roles as far as like bad people, not bad role. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know what? The, yeah, the I could see that I as have well. The, most, the character I have the most options for is actually Mr. Vern. Because I went a bit crazy. Oh, Mr. Vern, the out. teacher. Yeah, I was like, okay, I feel like you could have a lot of fun with this. You could cast so many different types of people for Mr. Vern. Like, in my yeah. mind, it's probably somebody dorky but mean, you know, and or just kind of who could turn mean. And the one person I thought of for him was Jim Rash. Um, oh, who's that? Jim Rash was like, he's a geeky actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in uh, Home Sweet Home Alone, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Glee, Will and Grace. Um, oh. recently, apparently he was, uh, uh, somebody in the woman across the street from the, from the girl in the window that, yeah. series that came out on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's been a lot of stuff and he wears glasses. Um, you probably recognize him if you mm. saw him, he's been in a ton of stuff. Um, but he kind of plays that while well, you're like, Ooh, he could probably turn on somebody. I'm sure, you know, yeah. he, was just, he flipped that switch in that classroom, especially like just went nuts and yeah. started like, I thought they were going to start making fun of him stuttering and thank god they didn't but um <laughs> yeah yeah who'd you think about I him was, so i was thinking this would be an absolute massive curveball but i was thinking what about michael sarah or sarah how do you say his name scott because he's 33 now we haven't seen him in a while either no he's been doing sort of like little bits and bobs on tv but I feel like he could make such a statement by coming back and playing Mr. Vern. This just like absolute nasty piece of work in a sweater vest and a quivering mustache. I think he would nail it. Oh, yeah. 
because he's got that like slightly you could see him playing like slimy um sycophantic you know i could just see it yeah oh that's a good that's a good one right there mm. i wish i would have thought of that <laughs> <laughs> but I, i'm not going to okay. say any, any um, of who the else other ones have? i have for him because i feel like that's you're not going to say any of the okay okay that's fine that's fine no. <laughs> i think yeah michael stair is better than mine i think jim rash is good yeah. but i think michael stair would be like the one that you oh you'd be surprised to see him as a teacher role he's always playing you always think of him as the kid still because yeah. we haven't really seen him do much other than that so yeah and exactly. yeah he always either plays a slime ball or a, a kid and i think this would be good for him to play this person that you're kind of at first when you first meet him you're thinking oh he's probably a nice guy he's a dork and then you're like oh he's kind of an asshole oh um, yeah <laughs> he's a monster so yeah he's ooh. yeah that would be good i think that'd be good okay well um we'll go ahead and wrap this up thank you so much for joining me today josh as Thank always, you. it's been a pleasure so to fun. talk with you and especially, yeah. And one-on-one at that, like finally, yeah. um, if you're wondering when his book will be out, the shadow glass will be out in the UK and the U S and other markets, I'm sure on March 22nd or 22nd of March, however you want to say it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, where can uh, people find you on social media, Josh? I am on Twitter at Josh winning, which is W I double N I N G. And I'm on Instagram at Joshua Winning, just to be fickle and confusing. I think someone called Josh Winning already took my name, so don't follow him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have a website. If you do, if that's your jam, that's joshuawinning.com. Um, that's it, yeah. Okay. And don't forget to listen to his podcast, Torn Stubs, as well as joining him on Tales of Point Horror Book Club Movie Club each month for fun chats about thrillers and horror movies. And uh, yeah. for more information about this book or about this show in general, um, you can contact me on social media at Dustin underscore Holden on Twitter or at Dustin can read on Instagram, or you can you know email me at Dustin can read pod at gmail.com. I'm open to suggestions. And if you want to give us your fan casting choices for uh clown in the cornfield, if you, a lot of people are big fans of the book, give us, some, you know, let us know. I'll tag Josh in them and let him know, or, or at least message him. Like, Hey, we got, we got somebody. So let yeah, us know awesome. who do you think we should cast or who do you think we got wrong or who we could have done better on. I'd love to and hear if you from like everybody. our choices and want us to cast your movie. Just feel free to get in touch. <laughs> there you go. We will be happy to provide the input <laughs> <laughs> for a nominal fee. Dustin um, and Josh Carter uh, services. We should do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could kindly review my little show on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or Good Pods or wherever you listen, I, that'd be awesome. I would be very grateful. I also have a tip jar on Good Pods if you want to help me there, help me buy some books or produce the show. No pressure at all, though. And, uh, you know, I, I would really appreciate that. But for now, for me and Josh Winning, again, go get his book, The Shadow Glass. We hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Goodbye. Dustin can read.